Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, I'm really thrilled our guest is Keith Roos, and he is the president of Deltaville Boatyard. He is an American Boat and Yacht Council certified master technician, and he is going to walk us through some of the routine maintenance things you need to do to your boat along the Great Loop, and he'll kind of give us some advice on which things might be DIY-type jobs and which are things you really need to look towards a professional for. Before we bring Keith in, I want to take a moment, as always, to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Beneteau, Curtis Stokes & Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. And another business that supports the Great Loop is Deltaville Boatyard. They're also an AGLCA sponsor, so I'd like to officially introduce Keith Roos, who's their president. Keith, thanks for joining me today. Yes, ma'am, Kim. Good to be here. Yeah, we really appreciate you spending some time with us uh, because you certainly are an expert in this area, and I know you speak at some boat shows and things like that, so we're, we're fortunate to have you with us today. Um, but for those who maybe have not come across you before, just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and about Deltaville Boatyard. Sure. Um, we Deltaville Boatyard is primarily focused on systems. We have um, the capability of hauling out boats um, up to 75 tons, but our our technicians are are all American Boat and Yacht Council certified in some discipline, um, and several of them are master technicians, of which I'm one of them. Like Kim mentioned. Uh, and the disciplines that I hold the American Boat and Yacht Council certification in is um, electrical, um, diesel engine and support systems, corrosion, heating and air conditioning, composite boat builder, and um, that's it. ABYC standards is the last one, but that that's our those are our guidelines and. The recommendations that we follow in the servicing of boats. Great, and there, there certainly are some things that all loopers are going to need to have serviced along the way, and, and some are a little bit more handy at the DIY tasks than others. So let's dive into you know some of the more basic things or the more frequent things that you need to do to properly maintain your boat along the way. So you know let's start mm -hmm. with oil changes because that's something that. Um, you know, people automatically think of when it's something that perhaps they can do themselves. So let's, and of course, there are different oil changes that have to happen on the boat. So let's start with the engine oil. Tell us a little bit about, you know, how frequently that should happen and whether this is typically a DIY task for anyone or just for perhaps those with a lot of skill. Sure. Well, uh, concerning oil changes and fuel filters and a number of other tasks on the boat that, that, uh, owners can attack and get done um, properly. We we always recommend that the first time that you uh, want to learn how to do it is to have a mechanic or uh, a person with a, a good working knowledge of engines uh, get with you on your boat and make sure that you have all of the tools necessary to do the job Make sure you have all of the parts and materials 
necessary to do the job. You know, for instance, if you if you don't have access to the top of the engine and you need to add oil or extract oil, there there's different ways that each boat has, uh, you know, uh, characteristics of of how the engine's orientated and how you know how the fuel system is set up or, and and regarding oil changes it is something that um an owner can do in particular if um they're familiar with their boat it is um it's a routine maintenance and by routine we different engine manufacturers recommend different intervals for changing the main engine oil and um we typically say at you know every hundred hours of use or um every season and that that guideline is is pretty typical for most engine manufacturers. There are some uh newer engines that um you can go say two hundred and fifty hours before a a uh, oil change is recommended. But there's some pretty basic things as far as having the tools to take the filters off, um, having a pump to pump the oil out. We normally recommend that you run the engine to normal operating temperature before uh, you change the oil. And um, once you draw the oil out, we recommend tagging out that engine um, at the controls to make sure no one comes along and, and starts it without oil. But... Um, each each engine installation is different, so it, it's um, on some boats it's right easy to to do the oil change because you have a uh, an oil change system, a dedicated valve manifold that and a pump that chooses between engines and sucks the oil out for you. We like I mentioned, we do recommend warming the engine up, and that reduces stratification in the oil, so you're pumping out all of the all of the old oil mm -hmm. and then um and then adding the proper amount of new oil back into the to the engine yeah and i want to jump back to something keith that you said right at the beginning of that um, we have a lot of members who are new to boating or even still just comp contemplating getting that boat as you know um boating has become quite popular over the pandemic here um, so we've got a lot of mm -hmm. people that are new um and I think some may find it surprising what you said initially that have a certified marine mechanic kind of um, do the first oil change with you if you plan to do them yourselves. And I think the only thing a lot of us have to compare it to is changing the engine oil in our car. And in most cases, you'd be hard-pressed to find a, a car mechanic who's changing your oil who would be willing to show you how to do it because often they're going to look at that as you're taking their business away if you do it yourself. So boats are typically different, um, but it, should they expect to have, you know, just about any mechanic willing to do that or is that hard to find? Well, um, it's not hard to find in, in our business. We have trained a number of customers over the years to do particular tasks and and generally those tasks are something that uh could be a problem if you don't know how to do it but if you have um the correct tools and the correct materials uh it's it is a a big advantage if you have to do that type of maintenance underway um uh, in particular changing fuel filters and knowing the valve lineup 
to isolate the primary fuel filter so you don't have a major air problem in the fuel system. And I'm not really sure about other organizations, but we have customers that hire us to show them the first time and help them gather all of the correct tools and go through the through the process. That doesn't mean that they're they're necessarily going to do it themselves all the time, but for instance, when you're doing the Great Loop, it may be that you don't have somebody available to do it, um, and it's time to do it. And if you have all the materials, correct tools on board, then it is something that it's almost you write a cookbook for your boat and what the steps are to successfully complete the task. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do that you do that once typically, and then you have all the tools. You know what the job takes. Whether you decide to do it yourself or not, that that's that's your call. But you can carry the carry the spares and and have at least the initial practical factors to get the job done. Mm-hmm. So for someone that has has learned, you know, got the proper instruction and, and plans to tackle it themselves, is there anything that they should look for when they're doing that oil change that might be indicative? of a, a bigger problem or, you know, do you recommend an oil analysis every time or what's your take on that? Well, uh, getting on an oil analysis program is a good idea because what you're doing there is you're monitoring a trend. So if you have something internal to the engine that is, is evidence in a problem or, a, or a, a leak or a coolant leak or a fuel leak and something that may be um, leaking oil, lube oil out, it's a good time to, one, if you're going to pull samples, you you really need to learn how to pull a sample because it, it, it the oil needs to be warmed up really good so that it's not stratified. So when you stick your insertion tube into the dipstick to pull a sample, um, it's almost... It's almost like a medical procedure. You want you don't want to stick the tube all the way to the bottom of the pan because then you're getting sludge off the pan. Um, you don't want to use the same tube to pull another sample on another engine. Um, then you clean up really good after you use them. There's the one of the one of the defining factors on whether you get a good analysis is that you uh, note the type of oil that you put in and how the engine is operated typically. But um, an oil sample is, and getting on an oil sample program is is super good preventative maintenance. So you can identify a problem in the trend prior to there being a major problem when you're out cruising and afar from services. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, kind of another question for the DIYer on um, oil changes. Um, is there any preferred method of recording that, uh, that they've done an oil change so that, you know, at some point everybody eventually sells their boat and having the maintenance records is a great thing. And if you ha- obviously if you're having that done professionally, the records exist, but anything, you know, any tips on if you're doing it yourself, how much detail you need to record about that type of maintenance? Well, the different people use different methods. Um, and, and from, from a, Operation standpoint, if you just use a spreadsheet, that's that's perfectly acceptable. I do have uh, vendors that offer programs that 
are specifically focused on um, maintenance on board and recording, and then the the uh, program will alert you when it's when in, when you put in the hours used, what what service items need to be done on the boat. That that that's uh, there's a couple of different companies that. Um, provide that we happen to use wheelhouse technologies and have been for some time um, you know boats in the from 40 feet on up basically is is we use that that program in order to keep track of the the maintenance needs and um, warnings and preventative maintenance things that come up over time some people use a log just use a ship's log for their maintenance records but you're you're super correct from the standpoint of when it's time to sell the boat maintenance records are huge um in order to document the history of the boat uh means a lot right now, as I mentioned, a lot of uh, we have a lot of new boaters. We have a lot of people who have been boating for a very long time, but on a smaller boat. Um, so, as you move into a bigger boat, and if you've never been, you know, kind of the mechanic in your household, uh, which I fit that category, um, a lot of us would only think initially when we're talking oil changes of the engine oil. But a lot of boats, you also are going to need to be concerned about your transmission oil and your generator oil. So, tell us a little bit about. You know, what do we need to know about that? How different is the time frame for changes typically from the engine oil or any tips you have to remember to do that? Well, transmission oil is is different than the main engine oil. There's normally longer um, periods of time before you change the transmission oil versus the main engine oil. Um, and different manufacturers have different guidelines for that. We also We also sample on on transmissions as well because there's wear items in the transmissions that uh can can be shown by a, an oil sample for instance clutch plates um cone gears things that can wear over time when when you start seeing elevated signs of particular metals in your oil samples then then you know um that things may need to be addressed Gen sets. We uh, generators run under a typical um, constant RPM, but vary in loads, and in a lot of cases they are underloaded. Um, so the the manufacturer, the generator manufacturer, will say if you're if you have X amount of hours on here at at this load, then you need to change the engine oil at this interval um, generators in particular um, we'd like to keep a, a solid oil sample record on uh, because a lot of times they're in they're in not in the engine room and they're in places where they can suffer from corrosion and and from an environment that that's less than than um, the best that it could be running in so we we pay attention to those, um, and of course, there's the generator and the electrical end of the of the generator that also requires maintenance. Um, but again, the, the manufacturer's guidelines is typically what we follow. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I know all boats are different, but speaking in kind of general terms, 
um, is changing the transmission or generator oil typically a more job for a professional, or is that something that most DIYers could tackle themselves? It's it's something that you can tackle yourself. It, you know, actually, transmissions are not too tough to change the oil on, extracting it. And if you have an oil change system, if it's as simple as changing the engine oil, mm-hmm. um, there's very specific fluids for the transmissions that that need to be used. Um, and a lot of times the transmission is, is cooled by a separate cooling system, so there's separate maintenance that has to be done on on the accessories that are attached to the transmission. But I, I it's certainly doable. If you can change the engine oil, then you can change the transmission oil. Okay, and same for the generator? Same. Yes, ma'am. Okay, perfect. We're going to take a quick break right here and play a message from one of our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to move on to filters because we uh, Keith mentioned fuel filters, and there's other filters, too, that we need to be concerned with. So we will be back in a moment. Did you know that every mile of the Great Loop is covered by Skipper Bob Guides? Its mile-by-mile format is a great planning tool and essential at the helm. On the most popular routes and side trips, Skipper Bob covers preparation, navigation, bridges and locks, and the best places to visit. Skipper Bob Guides are updated each year, and its website keeps you current with navigation alerts and cruising news. To check it out, go to skipperbob.net. Skipper Bob is a proud Admiral Sponsor of AGLCA. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guest today is Keith Ruse. Keith is with, uh, well, he's actually the president of Deltaville Boatyard, and he is an American Boat and Yacht Council certified master technician. So we're happy to have him with us today. And we've already kind of talked about the different oils that need to be changed on the boat. Um, Continuing down the routine maintenance path, Keith, you touched briefly on fuel filters, but there's some other filters too, but... Fuel filters specifically is something that I have heard of members having to change underway. So tell us a little bit more about those. Obviously, it is a DIY, particularly if it has to be done. Um, so what kind of problems can, you know, not, or, or if the filter's clogged, you know, what is the indicator that there's a problem with that? Well, um, I'm going to start with similarly to the engine oil change. It's best to go through this process with an experienced person that you you determine on the front end what you need for tools and what you need for gasket kits and what you need for filters. So you then have the necessary materials and necessary tools, and then you basically write a cookbook. Okay, when, when I have an indication of... I need to change my fuel filters, then I do this, this, and this. The indications of needing to change your fuel filters, the worst case is that the engine shuts down. Um, Most primary fuel filters on diesel engines are also fuel water separators, and there are are kits that can tell you when there's water in the fuel, uh, pretty pretty basic kits um, that will will give you a heads up if you have water in the fuel. Um, there's also vacuum gauges that can be installed on the primary fuel filters that when you start drawing excessive inches of mercury, you can look at that and say, well, it's time to change my um, fuel filters. So you've got a, 
let's say you have a normal running vacuum of five inches of mercury at 80% load, you can, if you have a recording uh, gauge, it has a drag needle. And so that you don't have to get down there in the engine room when you're at 80% load or whatever load you're typically running at. But this, this drag needle is a witness mark. It'll tell you how deep the vacuum got during the operation of the engine. So if you normally run at five inches of mercury and you go down after your day of running, you see you drew 10 inches of mercury, then it's time to change the filters or switch to the the other filter if you have a dual filter um, arrangement and then change the one that, that's fouled up. There's also... Um, there's primary filters and then there's secondary filters. And most um, engine manufacturers recommend 30 micron filters for the primary and then 2 micron for the secondary. That um, normally what we do is we change, when we change the primaries, we change the secondary as well. Uh, but the difference between an oil change and a fuel filter change is fuel filters, if you don't clog them up, there's no need to change them. It's not it the fuel is is fine. You just we don't recommend changing fuel filters once a year if your fuel's clean. And a lot of people polish their fuel regularly and keep it clean so that um the primaries don't have to do that job. But it's imperative that you know how to properly set the valves in the in the fuel system so you don't have to worry about drawing water into the, excuse me, drawing air into the fuel system and having that get into your injection pump and then having to bleed the engine. So what's what's most important is learn how to change the filters without introducing air into the system. And that, that, um, that requires tools specific for the owner's boat and then there's a process, and, and we generally write that down, what the process is, the cookbook method. And when you're out cruising and you find yourself in a situation where your fuel filters need to be changed, as long as you've got the filters and the proper tools and, and have done it before, then you can take care of yourself. Um, that The second best is if you have the filters and the tools and can hire somebody to come in and do it. Uh, you've already you you have the specific things that need that you need to get the job done. Right, and I've heard from more than one looper who uh, you know had to do this underway, generally in pretty rough conditions. Um, so you know, is there truth to that that if you, if you have been in smooth conditions for quite some time, and you know the first time you get a rough day or you're going through an inlet that is, you know, particularly rough, does that, in fact, cause the fuel filters to become clogged? Sure can, yeah. And what we recommend is polishing your fuel regularly if you're not using uh, using the boat regularly. The, the primary fuel filters will generally pick up anything that comes out of the tank. But if you have a tank... Uh, and we've we've provided this service for several loopers, but if you have a tank that's that has contamination in it, um, 
we generally get in the tank with a steam cleaner and clean it out. Um, one of the other ways of doing it is pumping the fuel through a filtration system and then back into the tank, uh, which can help tremendously. The best, the best way to, to prevent, uh, contaminated fuels to clean it up. Okay. Um, and anything to look out for when you're taking on fuel that might help you know, um, you know, I've always heard try to go to a busy place for fuel because they're turning over the fuel more often. Is that a theory you subscribe to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's true. Uh, and generally speaking, if you're doing the loop or you're going up and down the ditch and in, in the waterway, most of those places are going to have fuel that that's clean. Mm -hmm. If you're going afar, if you're going to the Bahamas or you're going to places where the fuel does not have specific quality guidelines or is not a brand name fuel with additives, um, at that point, if you, if the, if it's questionable and you have a fuel polishing system, we recommend polishing the fuel after you take it on board before you run the boat. Um, if possible, and that that's not always possible. But if you have plenty of spares on board, as far as primary fuel filters go, if you have a problem, then you can change filters, and hopefully that will. Um, you can change filters, or you can, if there's water contamination in your fuel water separators, you can drain that water off and, and keep going. Okay, and just like we talked about on the oil changers, there is more than one filter aboard that you need to make sure is properly functioning or maintained. So tell us a little bit about some of the others, the transmission and the coolant filters. Well, some some transmissions have filters and some don't, um, and some of them are are internal to the gear, to the transmission, and it's just a screen essentially. But that that's part of routine maintenance and and should be on the schedule per the manufacturer for cleaning that sort of um, filter. It's not it's not something that you do every time you change the oil. But, well, in, in the case of a transmission, because the oil change intervals are much longer, you would you would typically check that screen and clean it and put it back in. Okay. And how about the coolant filters? Well, some, some engine manufacturers have coolant filters and some don't. Um, but the coolant is uh, something that if you go by the engine manufacturer's guidelines, they're, they're pretty conservative. They'll say every, every, um, every year to change the coolant. Well, most folks find that excessive. And, in fact, we, you know, in extended life coolant situations, uh, you shouldn't have to replace the coolant. Uh, once a year, but it somewhat depends on how many hours and what the the duty cycle is of the engine. If you're running her hard and long, then you may have to change the coolant once a year. Uh, But you can look at um, in the collection tank for the coolant. Normally, you can look at that, and if it's nice and clean and pink or whatever the coolant color is that you have in there, um, if it stays that way, then you're you're probably good. If you start seeing the uh, black black residue in there, for instance, that's one indication of coolant dropout, where the coolant is no longer operating at 100% efficiency, and it is it is time to uh, change the coolant. And at that time, 
this is not necessarily a do-it-yourself job, but we do a, a coolant system flush, and that that cleans the coolant system, and we flush it out with fresh water, and then put the new coolant in, and then with putting new coolant in, it's it's super important to bleed that that coolant system uh, so there's no air in it because that can lead to to overheating pretty quickly. But coolant and um, raw water systems, raw water cooling systems, uh, both need to be maintained. There's uh, there's raw water system flushes with um, with base type fluid or excuse me acid type fluid that takes away the base growth like calcium and that sort of thing. And that that one of them is Barnacle Buster which uh, we used from track ecological and that that cleans the system but it, it won't take out things inorganic type things like pieces of rubber from an impeller or grass or so the descaling of the raw water systems you do this similar you do the same thing with the the closed loop coolant system you want to make sure that the heat transfer is at its optimum for the engine to operate correctly and that that goes that leads into other systems as well that are raw water cooled periodically you need to descale if you're up in fresh water that's not not the case but if you're cruising in brackish of salt water it'll build up calcification over time and and the and the flush with the um, acid removes that and particularly for novices, and I, you know, I fall into that category when we're talking about maintenance issues, this can all start to seem pretty overwhelming. So I guess the bottom line really is to know the recommendations of your manufacturer so that you can make sure you're up to date on these, these tasks. Any other tips along that line so we can make sure we don't miss something? Well, uh, you know, most folks over time learn their boats. They learn the sound of the boat. They learn the smell of the boat when you're operating. They they see, you know, they look back and see what color the exhaust is typically. Those those things, your sight and smell uh, and hearing what the engines sound like normally. Yes, the manufacturer guidelines take care of preventative maintenance. When you have a problem, that's that leads into a different level of of uh, troubleshooting and hopefully by fan, by following the manufacturer's preventative maintenance, you're going to limit having problems. So yeah, I would agree with you, Kim, that following the manufacturer's guidelines is, is super helpful. Yeah. So definitely get to know your boat. We have a whole long list here of some of the kind of routine maintenance items and we are actually out of time. So Keith, I would love to have you back if you're willing and we can maybe do a part two sometime in the near future. Um, We've been very thrilled to have you with us because obviously you know what you're talking about and there's lots of us who could use help on this particular topic. So thank you for sharing your time with us today and thank you again for your sponsorship. You bet, Kim. Thank you. Good chatting with you. You too. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us once again on Great Loop Radio. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, safe cruising.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.